many people have been asking me, how do I get my podcast up and running that quickly? Well, the secret is Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It can also help you to distribute a podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from a podcast too, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. If you're interested, find out more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello everyone and welcome to HR Academy, a podcast where we tackle all things HR in the Asia region. I'm your host, Adrian Tan, a HR entrepreneur and a recent HR tech advocate. In each episode, I interview prominent HR leaders to find out about their thoughts in human capital, their biggest HR accomplishments, as well as their favorite failures. My guests include HR leaders from Grab, Grumfus, Changi Airport Group, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Impress.ai. Are you tired of looking through hundreds of resumes? Overwhelmed with interviewing hundreds of job seekers? Those days are over with Impress.ai. It is an AI-powered assistant for recruiters. It will interview all your candidates over a WhatsApp-like chat and help you prioritize them. It's like having someone help you with the operational stuff so you can focus on things that really matter. Never again have an upset candidate waiting for an update as your assistant will keep in touch with your candidate on your behalf and alert you when you need to pay more attention. Log on to impress.ai today and request for a demo. With 17 years of experience in human resources, Celia Rastasagram specializes in startups, SMEs and companies in turnaround or transformation, covering Malaysia, Thailand and Indonesia. She was previously the general manager of people and culture of iCar Asia, the owner of ASEAN's largest network of automotive websites. Before that, Celia was the head of people and culture for Tune Protect, where she grew the company from 11 employees to 500 in just over four years with the company. Okay, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. So could you help us to understand a bit more about uh, what you do right now? Well, right now, I run uh, an HR project management company, which is uh, called Employee Experience Project. Mm -hmm. And we do HR projects mainly for startups and SMEs, really helping them to get the culture, the value, the employee experience part right from the Mm get-go and not having to um, wait one, two, three years before they decide to have a um, real human resource plan and a people plan and employee experience plan. And is your market just uh, within Malaysia right now? Well, specifically actually, uh, Malaysia, Bangkok and Jakarta. What's the first thing that you've done? It could be a temp job, it could be your first job out of university, <laughs> just to provide a bit of contrast of how you started and where you are today. So after SPM, which is Form 5 in uh, Malaysia, right? Mm-hmm. I went to Singapore to work as a waitress. Okay. So I went to, like, you know, I went through the newspapers and looking for uh, jobs in the hotels, etc. And um, I didn't get any of those jobs. Uh, no hotel, no big hotel or whatever would hire me as a waitress. I don't know why. 
so I went into this Italian restaurant, just walked in mm-hmm. to see if uh, they had a vacancy and uh, they hired me as a waitress and my first paycheck was 800 What were you doing before you got into HR? After my wonderful stint, which I really enjoyed waitressing in Singapore, mm-hmm. uh, I joined Business Trends at that time. It was mm-hmm. called Business Trends. Now it's called Kelly. Okay. And I was there for 11 and a half years doing recruitment. I really, really loved it. It was a fantastic experience. Um, I started off recruiting for temps and then went on to recruiting for uh, contract staff mm-hmm. and then uh, managing the branch in uh, Petaling Jaya and then managing the headquarters in KL and then managing the country. Which year was that, by the way? So that was... 1999 to 2011. 2000, okay, I see. Yeah, so I'm, a, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so how did the transition from business trends uh, evolve to what you're currently doing right now? You know, uh, I think business trends and Kelly made me very, very passionate about culture, execution, performance, people. Um, and it was, it's a company that was way ahead of its time, you know, before people were talking about how, what a high level of employee engagement you need to have, what kind of transparency you need to have, communication, things that we talk about now, they were already doing this in, uh, 1999. And it was such a level of, uh, passion that drove that productivity. And, uh, Kelly is still number one in Malaysia for the longest time. And I really think it's the culture and the people that drove that kind of performance. And that led me to actually a client from Kelly mm. uh, asking me to work with them as internal HR. And that's how my uh, road after that to internal HR came. Was that the last thing before you, your current business? No. Um, I was very blessed to be part of uh, Tune. So Tune, which is part of uh, the Tony Fernandez mm-hmm. kingdom. Uh, so they were starting off um, or relaunching uh, their insurance arm mm-hmm. and I was very blessed to be part of that startup team. Mm-hmm. So I was there for about five years and that's where I gained a lot more passion for SMEs and startups mm-hmm. and uh, how to get the people right, the people piece right from the start. So in your current job right now, uh, what was a typical work day like? Typically, it depends um, on the kind of projects I'm managing. So it could be anything based at a client's place, doing uh, workshops for their employees, or recently was the beginning of the year, so a lot of companies were launching their KPIs, launching new targets, launching new performance goals for the year. And I was very happy to be part of some of those events, uh, managing those employee events for them, and uh, trying to really internalize, gamify, make KPIs more exciting for the employees. So typically... Unfortunately, this may deter some people, but typically the working hours that I've been accustomed to is about 12 to 14 hours a day Um, because HR and working with SMEs and startups, there's a lot of projects that you have to run concurrently. So even uh, with Tune, and uh, I remember my CEO, Peter Miller, fantastic boss, he was so funny when he told us, when we joined him, he was like, so when we joined him was uh, 2011, and he said, don't worry, you can uh, sleep in 2014. 
<laughs> okay, it's not wrong. <laughs> so uh, across your period in HR, which is pretty extensive, uh, what would you reckon to be your proudest moment? Wow, you know, that is still with Tune, uh, Tune Protect. And um, because it was a company of uh, 11 people when I joined. And uh, when I left, it was uh, 500 employees. Wow. Yes, it's hard to pick. But if I were to really pick, then I think it would be the, um, the listing when we listed on uh, Bursa. I think that was a big sort of like a reinforcement to us that we were doing the right thing. Conversely, I'm very certain you would have come across uh, different challenges in your uh, scope in HR. And what do you think would have picked as the lowest point for you? And importantly, what do you learn from it? So the lowest point, I think there's, there are just so many lows, right? It's how many highs there are, they are the equal number of lows. And that's, that's, just, uh, that's just how work and life is. But if I were to pick a lowest one, which was very significant to me, it was when I had just moved to Tune. And when I left Caddy, you know, I had my own big office, right? Very comfortable. I was very involved in um, very strategic stuff, leadership stuff, big plans, right? I had a team, big team. So when I joined Tune, I was the first HR person that they hired. They hired the head of HR as the first person, which is the right thing to do. But there was one instance I remember when um, this was during my first few months there mm. and I had to get something sent to uh, Bank Negara and it wasn't in the sense of um, getting it sent means dispatching some other employees to do it. It literally meant me uh, physically doing it mm. and I had to, to get this submission done. I had to find something online, get it printed a certain way to meet their uh, requirements, right? Mm. So while I was literally running to this printing shop that I found after Googling which uh, shop could find it, and I was running to the shop and I was sweating because it's hot, you know, mm. and uh, I just started um, tearing because I was like, oh no, Celia, you know, you work so hard for so many years and you're now running an errand, right? You know, you're taking something to the print shop to have it printed and then, you know, what have you done? You know, did you make a mistake? And uh, it was, uh, it may not sound big, but it was very, very defining for me at that time because we, you know, you always say time is money and what is the best um, uh, value for your time? And I realized that best value for my time was running this errand. And uh, I was very, very down about it. But then I realized that, and I like to tell that story to all job seekers who are looking to join startups mm. because that made me dial my ego down mm. 20 notches, right? <laughs> really build the humility again mm. and realize that in a startup, mm. is your, whether your HR, your marketing, your business development, whatever, mm. you have to just do whatever it takes to get it done. Right. Right. You don't you shouldn't say that, oh, I don't know uh, what is Bank Nagara's requirements or I don't have the time to do it or I'm not going to send it because I don't know anyone in Bank Nagara or whatever. You just do whatever it takes to get the job done. And uh, that was a very big lesson to me. And I think that's why now I'm very execution focused. I have no drama about doing any uh, work as long as I know that it's for uh, a big purpose. 
I see, I see. I, I guess there's also one reason why a lot of millennials nowadays they just prefer to go into an environment where uh, they could really roll out their sleeves and do things. Uh, of course, environments like startups and all that, which is why bigger companies, even though they may be big brand names like the Coca-Cola, the big multinational companies, they seem to be the one that is having a lot of issue in trying to hire people nowadays. Trying to hire one, I've been trying to retain and keep them excited about working there is the other one. Oh, that's another um, four hours conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's still a lot of attraction for the big brands, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, I was doing this um, roadshow in universities in Malaysia about ditching the brick and mortar jobs, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, welcome to the new age, right? Mm-hmm. Because there was this survey that was done with all these uni students mm-hmm. and on the top 10 companies that they wanted to join, something like that. Uh-huh. And... Uh, in the top 10, right on top there, was still a lot, was dominated by these big brand names. Mm-hmm. You know, there were no startup companies, there were no tech companies, there were no, yeah, it was still oil and gas companies, it was still banking and finance companies, which is odd because uh, they are the ones having the most issues now with, uh, well, in Malaysia, there's been a high number of uh, retrenchment and BSS in these industries. But they were still dominating these university students' um, a dream job kind of uh, list. So mm. I guess there's, there's two ways. I think big brands still have a lot of attraction. I see. Rightly or wrongly. Okay. So within the market that you're servicing right now, uh, yeah. what do you reckon to be the top challenge facing the HR department? So HR, and you know, I haven't even held that title HR for the longest time. In uh, Tune and as well as in uh, iCar, my previous company, we were called People and Culture because that's what it is. HR itself, I think, has got a, a bit of a poor branding to it and had to be rebranded. Uh, so, yeah, people and culture. And when you call it people and culture, then you realize that anything to do with anything about people or organizational culture is the HR's accountability and responsibility and accepting that, right? So it means that HR now has to be Marketing, business development, customer service, um, of course, recruitment, right? But it's wearing very, very many hats. And it's not about expecting marketing to do the employer brand for you or marketing to do the social media portion for you or marketing to do the internal business development that you have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this is maybe a, a challenge that HR people may have because an instinct sometimes we are so afraid of what we haven't done before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, thank goodness today with uh, Google, with resources, with uh, LinkedIn, with Facebook, you actually have so much of knowledge that you can tap on, that you can gain and you can learn, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that is the, the challenge that HR has, really accepting the fact that we have to wear so many different hats and it's not anybody else's job, it's mm-hmm. our job. Um, even facilities management, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is the desk comfortable? Is the chair comfortable? Are the, is the stationery sufficient? I would say yes. That's all what a um, head of HR should be looking at. Okay. So for the benefit of our listeners who may be aspiring HR practitioners, trying to figure their way out within their organization uh, in view of this challenge, what do you think they should do as the first step in trying to start approaching this problem? Well, the first step is... Uh, 
actually taking accountability. Because mm-hmm. once you take accountability, then you will take the steps to make sure that it gets right, mm-hmm. right, or it gets improved on. Really uh, saying that, yes, you know, there is a part of my job that requires marketing and social media. There's a part of my job that requires business development, especially internal business development. And then taking the effort to put in the plans. Yeah. Since 20 years ago, we know that uh, every organization has to have a sales plan, a business development plan, a marketing plan, uh, target segments, right? Yep. Key account management, how, what is your communication plan for all your key accounts? All those different plans, all those different strategies actually have to be internalized, mm-hmm. right? What is your internal key account management plan? Uh, what is your internal communication plan? What is your internal marketing plan? Mm-hmm. And uh, building those plans and uh, being able to drive um, or show leaders that it actually has a link mm-hmm. to productivity and sustainability. I see. So it's firstly, it's to take accountability, setting up the plan, the foundation for the business and helping the business leaders to connect the dots together. Yeah, absolutely. I see. Okay. I, I'm very certain in your extensive HR experience, you've encountered a lot of different people, different managers, different leaders. Uh, who would you reckon to have influenced you most in your current thought process? So that would be the CEO from, uh, my CEO from Tune Protect. Uh, his name is Peter Miller. Um, fantastic guy started up uh, from, from a long uh, career in uh, insurance and CIMB and um, so with him I think the biggest thing that I felt the benefit from or why I would say whenever I take on a project or whenever I work with uh, C-level in my current clients I do kind of um, think what would he do because he has the ability to take the largest unknown problems mm-hmm. and break them down into simple actionable solutions which don't break the bank and is high impact I see. Um, and he I think the last before I worked with him if you ask me what was my biggest strength as HR I wouldn't know mm-hmm. but he had a very open honest relationship with me and uh, he would be able he was able to tell me very clearly what he felt was my strength and um, I said okay you know that's my strength and that's what I'm going to build upon and he said it was execution right it's actually getting things done um, and that meant a lot to me it meant a lot that okay so I'm that kind of HR person I'm an HR person who gets things done which I guess is also why you are drawn to the startup uh, sector since everything is about getting things done absolutely absolutely No drama, no big statements, no. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, in in the startup arena, obviously, uh, a lot of them right now are leveraging on technology to drive the next wave forward. So, within the space that you're in right now, have you seen any specific technology that you uh, really like? And uh, could you share with us more about that? Sure. So, I guess in this respect, but... Maybe because of the tech companies that I've been in and the amazing developers that I've had the opportunity to work with, maybe my expectations are a little bit high. Um, but I haven't really seen something that meets all 
my expectations. You know, sometimes the front end is so beautiful and it's so great for the employee experience and the user experience in, in this sense. And then when I look at the back at the admin side, it's like Web 1.0, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. So, uh, but if I had to pick one technology that I have uh, successfully implemented and I can see that it brings a lot of culture change and I love it, I'm over the moon about it, it's actually Slack. Okay. So I don't know if you can call Slack an HR tool. I think communication is a big part of HR. Um, and uh, I think Slack is the is the best value with the highest impact. I see. I personally have used Slack uh, probably for like a few months before I dropped it. Uh, yeah. Then I move on to Telegram. Okay. Which I also use a while and then I sort of drop it as well. But be, be, between the two, uh, I'm not sure if you've used Telegram before. Could you just share with us what, what do you think are the key difference that make Slack a better preference among yourself as well as many organizations out there? So I wouldn't say, I'm sorry, I had never been hands-on with uh, Telegram before. Uh-huh. Um, I've only had experience with Yammer and uh, Slack. Hmm. So Yammer is now a Microsoft product and I yep. think they're, let me phase it out, I'm not sure because hmm. they've uh, replaced it, right? Yep. So what I find really great about Slack is it has some of the, so it meets all the criteria when it comes to internal communication, right? So being able to create uh, specific groups, mm-hmm. being able to have um, general chats, right? Being able to customize a little bit, yeah, being able to retain the information uh, for X number of years, depending on which uh, package you sign up, being able to share documents very, very easily. And um, the best part that I like and I think why the employee take-up rate is higher with Slack mm-hmm. is because you still have the stuff that employees like to interact with each other, like um, the, uh, you know, a, a simple thing like GIFs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is it GIF or GIF? Uh, GIF. I think it's GIF. I'm not sure, <laughs> honestly. I actually read an article that uh, said it was uh, GIF, but I've always said GIF, so let's stick to GIF. <laughs> you know, so it has GIF, it has uh, your emojis, and it, it makes the communication, doesn't matter whether KL to Bangkok or KL to Jakarta, it makes it have a very personal um, approach. Again, it, it's like talking friend to friend, right? Like how you would talk to your buddy on WhatsApp, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's why... Uh, the take-up rate with Slack is very high. So for our listeners, which will also include people who may be looking into a career in HR, if they were to come to you and say, hey, Celia, what's your one advice for me if I'm looking to pursue a career in HR? What would that be? And HR is fantastic, right? I don't think there's any other role. Uh, well, maybe I'm biased, but I don't think there's any other role where you actually get the opportunity to be the conscience and the heart of the organization mm. and uh, be able to reach out on a daily minute to minute basis with so many people and create experiences for so many people. I think that's uh, a big factor of why I love uh, HR so much. Mm. Um, and I think for people coming into it, uh, the couple of steps would be definitely understanding if you have the heart to uh, be in HR, Mm -hmm. meaning really um, having a real genuine passion for people. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, because it's not just your employees you take care of. It's people you interview. It's people you interact with. When they see that you are HR, there is a certain expectation of how you would uh, treat them, how you would talk to them. So first is really understanding if you have the heart for HR. Mm. And then is um, really getting passionate about what makes businesses work. Yeah, understanding the technology behind businesses, understanding how businesses make money, understanding how, um, why uh, businesses move into different directions, uh, being really immersing yourself in the finance part of business because without that, there is no plan that you can roll out which will get buy-in without a, a complete understanding of, uh, and, and not just your own industry, but HR, you have to be, aware of everything that's happening in the market. And when I say market, you know, the borders are so blurred now. So it's no longer your town or your city or your country. Mm. It's probably your region or your continent, maybe. I see. And talking about buy-in, uh, if there's one HR message you'd like to drive across to business leaders out there, what would that be? I think the number one thing, now, no one has, and I, I, I face this a lot sometimes when I go, uh, or when I speak as panel, etc., and um, you know, employers think, or uh, managers or HOD CEOs, they think that having this uh, new employee experience or having an environment that fits millennials involves uh, ping pong tables and pool tables and uh, Xbox, etc. Uh, well, yes and no. Of course, if you have that, it, it's uh, fantastic, but it. That, that's not what um, having the right culture is about. Uh, the number one thing that I think would make the highest impact to employees, uh, millennials, Gen X, uh, across, right, is actually communication and transparency. And it takes a lot of courage to communicate and be transparent to all employees. Um, I have been in situations where I've heard things like, um, senior people saying that, oh, that's too much information for them, you know, or they wouldn't even understand it, or they wouldn't even be interested in it. Mm -hmm. But that's not true. Everyone wants to know what's going on with their company, and it helps employees manage change, manage different businesses. I think last year, this year, probably the next few years, all companies are going to be in transformation and mm -hmm. reinvention, and you have to change business direction as and when you see fit, you can't wait for a calendar year to be over. Right. So if you have very good communication and transparency within the organization, mm -hmm. it makes change so much faster. I so I think the one thing to drive in is actually communication and transparency and not just saying it, mm. but actually having a plan, uh, doing your checks, mm. checking with employees, uh, do you feel that you're being communicated to? Uh, do you feel that we are a transparent organization, mm. right? Um, it's all about, uh, communication is all about perception. If they feel that they're in a company with great communication, then they are. If they feel that they're not, then they're not, right? No matter what plans you roll out. So it's really checking with them on employees' perception. Right, okay. Well, thank you very much, Celia. It has been very insightful and thank you very much for your time. Before we uh, finish this off, where can people find you online? So my Twitter handle is uh, Celia Segrim, C-I-L-I-A-S-E-G-R-E-M, yeah. Uh, my LinkedIn page, Celia Rasa Segrim, very unique name, so I don't think any, it'll be very, very easy to find me. And uh, my email address, uh, Celia at eexproject.com.
Okay. Uh, all this will be in the show notes. Thank you again, uh, Celia. Uh, thank you for your time and it's been a lovely conversation with you. Thank you. Thanks, Adrian. All the best to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by Impress.ai. Are you tired of looking through hundreds of resumes? Overwhelmed with interviewing hundreds of job seekers? Those days are over with Impress.ai. It is an AI-powered assistant for recruiters. It will interview all your candidates over a WhatsApp-like chat and help you prioritize them. It's like having someone help you with the operational stuff so you can focus on things that really matter. Never again have an upset candidate waiting for an update as your assistant will keep in touch with your candidate on your behalf and alert you when you need to pay more attention. Log on to impress.ai today and request for a demo. Thank you for listening to the HR Academy. I hope you enjoyed this episode and many more to come. I would really appreciate if you could leave your feedback and review on iTunes. That will help in letting more people know about this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about HR, go to my website at adriantan.com.sg where I write about HR and HR technology.